This is Matthew Hester, Senior Pastor at Dominion Church. I want to thank you for joining us this week on the Dominion Church podcast experience. Our podcast aims to deliver truth from God's Word concerning His kingdom and your righteous identity as His beloved child. Please subscribe to this podcast, leave a review, and do share it with a friend. We pray that you are blessed, challenged, and changed by what you're about to hear. Thank you so much for joining us here at Dominion Church. Uh, if you're watching on Facebook, please like and share this so that others can be blessed as a result. Maybe you're watching on our YouTube channel at Dominion Church SC. Turn on notifications, again, so you can get notified when these new videos post. Maybe you're wa- listening on our podcast experience, the Dominion Church podcast experience. We're so thankful that you're joining us. Uh, do me a favor. If you're able, come be a part of one of our corporate gatherings. We meet here on Sundays in Greenville at the Maravan Center in the upstate of South Carolina, and uh, we meet at 1.30 p.m. on Sundays. There is room for you to come and be a part of what we're doing. Um, So yeah, I want to go ahead and take my opportunity. This is the uh, last Sunday I have to personally share here at Dominion before Christmas, Uh, and uh, if you were able to watch last Sunday, I would encourage you to. We talked about the Christmas sun, S-O-N, And uh, that was uh, rooted in some of the thoughts centering around Advent. And so I'm going to do the same thing today. I want to share a couple thoughts with you. And I want to encourage you, if you've never practiced Advent, uh, I will say for myself personally, that was not part of my practice growing up, uh, that there really is some richness to it. There's some beauty to really contemplating and looking at the Advent journey, uh, which typically starts on the first Sunday. Well, it always starts on the first Sunday of December, and then it runs all the way up to December the 25th. And so it's a way you can engage with yourself, with your family, when it comes to really looking at some of the great mystery surrounding this time of the year, incarnation, God becoming man, God becoming one of us. And so for today, I want to share uh, what I'm calling the contradictions of Christmas, the contradictions of Christmas. And uh, I don't know how many of you guys at this listening to me feel like you can relate to that a little bit, that Christmas oftentimes is full of contradictions, you know, because um, especially in Western culture, we really do have this amazing way that our mentality has been molded around the Christmas season. Now, of course, you know, I, I know it's, it's also littered with Santa Claus and consumerism and capital and all these things. I get that. But what I'm saying is even uh, within the Christmas story itself, we found a way, as perhaps only as uniquely as Americans can, that we've even made Jesus fit into the Christmas avarice. We've made Jesus fit into our own consumerism. Uh, and so we talk about this is a joyful time of year. And it, and it is, and it should be. But what about for those that it's not very joyful? Or how do we get our joy? Is our joy connected to buying the perfect present? You know, um, I'm, I'm thankful more and more pastors these days are saying, listen, uh, if it makes you go in debt, you probably should reconsider the gift. <laughs> so, hey, it's okay to have a little humble plug for some stewardship there. Uh, just this morning, as I was getting ready to come here, uh, I see the, uh, the commercial for the Lexus. You know, you want to get your, your wife the perfect gift for Christmas, and 
You know, she goes outside, in the, you know, the idyllic snow-covered uh, home and yard, and there's the brand new Lexus with the giant red ribbon on top. My wife would kill me if I ever showed up with a Lexus in our driveway for her because her response would be, wait, your gift is five years of payments that we can't afford? What kind of a gift is this? Now listen to those that can do that. I'm not knocking them. What I'm saying is, uh, do we ever stop to think what is the catalyst for what we call joy? And could it be a lot of what we call joy, it actually falls very short of what true joy is? We talk about family, right? This is the time to get together as family, yet there are many who do not have family to be with. And so it's like we, we find ourselves, if we're not careful, uh, as it were, living around people, which is what ministry is all about, living in this world of contradictions. On one hand, myself as a father of four, I'm so grateful to have these four kids and my wife that I love and I adore. But then also I, I, I counsel others that have lost family and they're feeling more alone than ever. This year. So, in, in one part of my heart, I'm full of joy. In the other part of my heart, I'm weeping with those who weep. Christmas is full of contradictions. But you know what? That shouldn't be a surprise to us. I, I want to look in Luke chapter 2. And yes, I said Luke chapter 2, the famous Christmas verses. Don't tune out. I want you to hear this. Now, I actually wrote these down from the Message Bible. I loved uh, the way the Message Bible communicates these, uh, these verses. So now you think about it. We have shepherds in the field. And, and in this day and age, back 2,000 years ago in ancient Near Eastern culture, there was very little special about shepherds. These were working class now, certainly they lived better than beggars because they had enterprise, but they were looked down on. These were not smart people. That was the assumption. That's why they're not in rabbinical training. They just have to go into business. The best they can do, as it were, is to make money. In Jewish culture, making money wasn't the best you could do. <laughs> it was teaching others. That was, that was the highest stature. And that stature brought you to great wealth when others could trust you rabbinically. So they're, they're out doing their thing, and the host of angels appear. And we're told right before Luke chapter 2, verse 11, they were very afraid. Very afraid. And then look at the response of the angel of the Lord. Don't be afraid. So again, contradictions. Have you ever been terrified and someone tells you, hey, stop that. Don't be afraid. <laughs> Wait a second. I, I'm terrified. No, don't, don't, be, don't be afraid. I'm here to announce a great and joyful event that is meant for everybody worldwide. A Savior has just been born in David's town. A Savior who is Messiah and Master. This is what you're going to look for. A baby wrapped in a blanket and lying in a manger. At once, the angel 
was joined by a huge angelic choir singing God's praises. Glory to God in the heavenly heights. Peace to all men and women on earth who please him. So I was reading through those verses, and and just in those, those five verses we have just read, I pointed out four contradictions. Four contradictions. Four points of tension. But it seems like the heavenly hosts are perfectly okay with it. And it seems like the heart of God is perfectly fine with it. So let's go back. Let's make sure that you didn't miss them. The first one I already touched on. Don't be afraid. While they were very afraid. Don't be afraid while you're very afraid. If that's something that each one of us can take right now in our journey, it should come as no surprise. There are moments where we're going to face fear. And if we could take it one step farther, you're going to be afraid. But will you allow yourself to be challenged by the voice of the Lord saying, even while you're afraid, don't be. Can you allow yourself to be so overcome by trust, so overcome by the good announcement that you're not willing to let fear rule your future? You know, standing here right now, I could ask, what are you afraid of? Most of the men in here, we're going we're gonna to say what men say. I'm not afraid of nothing. Well, the first thing you've told me is you're afraid to be honest. Because <laughs> we're all afraid of something. Maybe you're not afraid of anything for yourself personally, but you're afraid for someone else. You ever pondered what life would be without someone else? Without that person? Without that experience? Without that feeling? And the Lord is saying, in the face of all that fear and opposition, I'm telling you, don't be afraid. Well, well, why? See, I, th- I think that's the question we should at least have the right to ask. Well, he's showing us because I'm bringing something that will be greater than any fear that man has ever brought to me. Something that will dispel every fear, dispel every doubt, dispel all heartache. Well, so, so what? <laughs> so I'm here to announce a joyful event meant for everyone worldwide. A Savior. A Savior is born. Isn't that good news? There's the next contradiction, though. Flora, your Savior's here. Well, where is he? Well, he's, he's just been born. <laughs> well, wait, I, I need a full-grown Savior like right now. How is that baby going to save me from anything? That baby's not even going to save me on the cost of food because I'm going to have to pay. Babies cost. They do. But the announcement is, a Savior is here. How is he here? He's born. So any ideas you had of military conquest... Any ideas you had that he was immediately going to save you from your oppression, uh, you're going to have to put those on the back burner. Because right now, he's a baby, so it's going to take some time. Well, good thing I didn't need any help right now. (laughs) So I also put in my notes here, 
one who will save the world has been born. He didn't show up as Savior of the world. He showed up as a baby who will save the world. And I put this in my notes, and and honestly, I put it there, and I'm chewing on it, so I'm inviting you guys to ponder it with me. But there is some huge connection, I believe, and I can't articulate it right now, between salvation and birth. Salvation and birth. They could have said it any other way they wanted to. Hey, Jesus is here. Uh, he, he's born, he's born in, in the city of David. No, there's a Savior is born. Salvation is here. All it required was for the birth. That's all, that's all it was needed. The birthing happened. Salvation is now here. Salvation has come. I think that's also interesting that we're invited to be born again. Born. There's salvation locked up in our birth. I think that's also interesting, hearkening back to some of the earliest messianic promises to Eve. It said that the woman would be saved in her childbearing. Saved in her childbirth. That's not a weird way of saying that babies literally save women. It's showing prophetically that the seed of the woman would actually bear salvation. Somebody needs to hear this. I think for many of us, we would lay hold of salvation if we just don't give up in the process of labor and delivery. And there's salvation. We want Jesus to break open the sky and he just wants our, our spiritual wombs to open up. That's the breaking. Let the womb open that the King of Glory may be born. There's your salvation. And then I love this. Uh, here's this Savior, Messiah and Master. Those are huge terms for, for those listening. Because Messiah, you are invoking generations of prophetic utterances. They know how loaded this word is. Like, like this is literally the promised Son of God. And all these things they have in terms of expectations and hope, they, they hinge on that word Messiah and Master. Listen, you wouldn't call anyone casually master because it invokes authority. Come on, it it invokes leadership, power. And and I'm sure power as they saw it. (laughs) And then, okay, so Messiah, Master, what are we looking for? Next contradiction, you're going to look for a baby wrapped in a blanket and laying in a manger. Wait, so the Messiah... The one that all these words hinge on. The leader. Come on, the son of God. The one who's going to bring freedom to us all. We're going to call him master. That we're going to find him wrapped in a blanket and laying in a manger. And we could really start digging into the depths of what the manger is all about. It is sub-humble. That's not just a humble beginning. That's an embarrassing beginning. Right? Right? It's embarrassing to have the, again, as the angels would say, this is the king of kings. And now he's wrapped in swaddling clothes, laying in a manger, surrounded by wild beasts. It would seem at surface level that God was more concerned with mankind being in comfort when he arrived in the world than God being in comfort when he arrived. 
That's something. You think about Adam placed in a garden. God places himself in a manger. Two very different worlds. You could even say two worlds at war. Because the world of the manger is the world of wild beasts. And, and he's put in a feeding trough. Why would you put anything in a feeding trough except its manifest destiny is to be eaten? Jesus is showing us up front, this is who I am. The lamb slain from before the foundation of the world. I am meant to be tasted and seen that I'm good. I'm announcing to humanity, come and eat. And, and he has to come to the manger. Why? Because if he can't identify with the least of us, then he can't identify with the best of us. If he can't identify with the least of us, he can't identify with all of us. Aren't you so thankful? I'm thankful every day that Jesus did not just arrive in a palace somewhere and say, this is how I live, this is how I do things. I'm in the business of kings. Only the best can make their way to me. Only the best can come and make a demand on me. No, he comes to the lowest of the low so that he can identify with all of us. And then one more contradiction that I saw in these verses is, is this, this ending crescendo of the angelic message. Peace. Peace to all men. Peace to all men and women on earth. Because if you go back and you look at that day historically, peace was hard to find. Come on, Jerusalem, Israel, they had not experienced peace for a long time. They had hoped for it. They had dared to dream for it. But they had no peace. And the angel immediately says, Hello, hey, peace to everyone. And you know what? Uh, not just to you guys. Peace to everyone. This is a worldwide message. I think that's also why it's so hard for them to receive the message at face value. Because they wanted it to be a very personal message. And it was a global message. They wanted it to be a message that was tailor-made for their own purposes, Israel did. We want to be free, and rightly so. But the angels said, well, this is freedom for all men, not just freedom for you. That somewhere in the destiny of this Messiah master, the Romans will be free. The Philistines will be free. The Canaanites. What? Wait, we don't, we don't want to get into all that. The Gentiles are going to be free. They're going to call him Jesus. They're going to call him king. What do we do with that message? Right? And so then in the midst of all the contradictions, there are also different people waiting for different things. I've shared this before in, in years past, and we're almost done. I, I told you I wouldn't take a long time. So we have Simeon. Simeon who's waiting for comfort. See, we're introduced to Simeon in Luke chapter 2, verse 25. There was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. Simeon was righteous before people, and he was devout in his relationship with God. But of course, at this time, as we've established, things weren't going very well for the nation of Israel. 
They hadn't heard from God for many years. They were under Roman oppression. They had lost their political independence. They were living in fear of the capable, crafty, and cruel King Herod. And many were wondering, would the Messiah ever come? But then in verse 26, it shows us Simeon had good reason for his hope and anticipation. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he saw the Lord's Christ. Simeon's expectation focused on the comfort that Christ would bring. Among Jews of Simeon's day, one of the popular titles of Messiah was Comforter. Like some of the Christmas songs that we sing throughout this season, they were longing for the Messiah to come and bring his comfort to them. It strikes me that the desire to be comforted is a universal human need. We all struggle with loneliness, emptiness, insecurity, even desperation. In fact, the Christmas season is one of the major crisis times of the year for depression and suicide. The Holy Spirit prompted Simeon to go to the temple courts at just the right time, on just the right day, that Joseph and Mary were bringing their infant to the temple. When Simeon looked at the baby, now about eight days old, he knew that God's promise had been kept. Here was Emmanuel, God with us, to make everything right, to provide significance by his presence, and to eliminate rejection, fear, and loneliness. Verse 28 of Luke 2 says that Simeon reached down and took Jesus out of Mary's arms and began to praise God. Now, I want to pause here and make this comment. Every parent in here, how would you feel if some old man came up to you, took your infant out of your arms, and started to sing loud praises to the Lord? (laughs) I'm sure this was perhaps a bit unsettling for Joseph and Mary, but Simeon didn't look at all that dangerous. He just an old, feeble man. As he broke out into praise, he acknowledged that God had not only fulfilled the individual promise to him, but also the promise of the prophets to send the anointed one to comfort both Jews and Gentiles. One final thought. When Jesus arrives, and he's arriving all the time, by the way. I want you to hear this. He's arriving all the time. Whenever he arrives, he provides And it's not out of obligation. It's out of his nature. It's out of his nature. You ever met someone who's just always joyful? They don't try to be joyful. They just show up. And you're like, man, I feel better. I feel feel happy. Some people carry that. They carry that kind of a weight, right? Or, you know, someone that you just know, they spend time in prayer. They spend time with the Lord. And you're like, man, when I'm around them, I feel encouraged. I feel... I feel like I could share with them anything. That trust that's there. So when Jesus came, he provided the very thing that Simeon was waiting for just by showing up. See, baby Jesus didn't like will himself into being in Simeon's hands. Just existing, just showing up was enough. So God brings comfort and I feel like a lot of times, like Simeon is waiting, we're, we're waiting too. What are we waiting on? What are you waiting on right now? 
when it comes to Christmas. Whatever it is, Jesus can give it. Philippians 4.19, my God will supply every need according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. He's already provided. 2 Peter 1, 3, and 4, His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of Him who called us to His own glory and excellence by which He has granted to us His precious and very great promises so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature. So He's given us everything that we need just by arriving, just by showing up, and he keeps showing up. So in closing, I I just want to ask you, where are some places where you need to see Jesus manifest in your life right now? Where do you need him to show up? Is it something personal? Is it for someone else? And to have that confidence, have that knowing that I can lean into him, I can trust him in such moments, even in the moments of profound contradiction, where I do want to hope, but I feel hopeless. I do want to to proclaim the good news of his joyous arrival, but I'm not sure there's much to be joyful about. All the things that command tension in our lives, are we willing to allow his coming to bring the solutions? Are we willing to allow His birthing to bring the salvation we need in each of those areas? His birthing, after all, is also our birth. So what is it you need? What are you waiting for? You waiting on forgiveness? You waiting on peace? You waiting on provision? Whatever it is, He has already provided it because He's here right now, and He's in you. Isn't that beautiful? It'd even, it'd even be a little different if I said, okay, guys, when we're done, little baby Jesus can be right over here on this chair, and you can go over and talk to him when you need a second, and he'll be there for you. I don't have that to offer. I have something much better. You've got the mature, full-grown Messiah, the mature son living on the inside of you. And not only is he living in you, you're living in him. It's a divine exchange. You can't, you can't be separated. It's like trying to separate salt from salt. Good luck. Hey, you pick your favorite salt out of my salt. It's not going to happen. Right? It's like like trying to find your favorite needle in a stack of needles. It's not going to work. You are inseparably one together. And so the only thing that can rob us from that knowing is when when we get our focus off of it. That's the only way. And sometimes, man, I understand those distractions get pretty big. You know? It has taken every bit of me just to try to worship the Lord with any kind of focus and not think about my own daughter today. It's difficult when things are making a demand on our hearts, when things are making a demand on our focus, when we're concerned about something. And then, like I said, ever remind, okay, Lord, I trust you. I trust you. I can't heal Ava no matter what. Lord, you can. So what do I do? Do I, do I trust the Lord or do I keep trust in Matthew's hands and see maybe what Matthew can figure out? And then in doing that, what do I do? I rob myself of the power of this moment, the power of the present, which is where God lives, always lives. 
So I want to encourage you with that. Take this with you for Christmas. Take this with you uh, for everyone that you encounter. We've got one more week here before the finish line. <laughs> so I just want to encourage you with everyone that you're going to encounter. You have opportunities and you will encounter people where they are full of stress, full of tension, full of contradiction. And I want to encourage you to do the same thing the angels of the Lord do. Have you ever noticed, that was one point I wanted to make, they never seemed to care that contradiction was everywhere. They didn't seem to care. Ah, peace. We bring amazing news. Don't be afraid. Worldwide shift of everything now that Jesus is here. I just want to encourage you in that. I think a lot of times where we get bogged down is we start trying to diagnose and pick apart the, the different details of an individual problem. And I'm not saying that we don't care or aren't concerned about an individual need, but sometimes we just need to decree the peace of the Lord. Listen, I don't know how to help you, but I just want to say, listen, joy to the world. The Lord is here for you. I don't, I don't know how else to help right now, but I can tell you this. Jesus has got you. And, and I'm here, and I'll, I'll encourage you however I can. Instead, we all try to put on our, our hats where we're going to become these chief counselors that we've never studied to become. And most of the ones that have studied don't know two cents what they're talking about. Are you guys okay? I didn't mean to. I don't want to offend anybody. Any counselors out there, go ahead and send us a love offering. Don't, don't withhold. I'm saying we got to discern things by the Spirit. And sometimes the Spirit just says, speak those things that be not as though they were and let that be enough. Let it be enough that unto you this day is born a Savior. And He's Christ the Lord. And that hasn't changed a day in your life. You have a Savior in your situation. You are a Savior in your situation. Lord, we just thank you for this opportunity today, Lord. I thank you. All the contradictions each one of us are facing, all the different points of stress and tension. Lord, I just thank you now for peace. You are the Prince of Peace. Lord, I thank you for peace on earth to all men and women. Lord, I declare peace to those watching and listening. Where do you need the peace of God? Where do you need that manifestation right now? Just receive it now by faith. The peace of God that passes understanding. I love that. There is a peace that does not even consult with our ability to figure it out. It's just there. And so, Lord, let peace reign in our lives, in our hearts, in our minds, in our spirits over the coming week and weeks. Lord, as we, each one of us, I know there's going to be times of tremendous joy and tremendous thanksgiving. There's also going to be times of reassessment, perhaps even some times of sadness, some times of doubt. But Lord, let us press into you who are the anchor, a stable force no matter what, that we might share the good news of who you are to everyone that we encounter. And that also includes ourselves when we need to be reminded. Lord, I thank you for all these things now. I decree them by faith in and through the strong and mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Well, God bless you. Thank you so much for allowing me to take some time today to share with you. On Facebook, again, like and share this so others can be blessed. On YouTube, the same way on our podcast. 
We're so thankful that you joined us today, and we will see you next time. God bless you.